You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. So what is today? 9-11. How old were you when 9-11 occurred? Majority. Two, three, four, five, four. How many of you were four? Raise your hand. How many of you were three? Raise your hand. How many of you were two? Raise your hand. One. Okay. Five. Okay. So all of you somewhere in the course of your life up to this date, up to today, the 17th anniversary, have probably learned about September 11th, correct? And you learned about the horrific uh, trials and tribulations that our country had to endure after and even on that day of September 11th. I want to share a story with you of where I was on September 11th. I was in an internship in Queens, New York, Urban School of Ministry. It was required at the Bible school I went to, it was required that we had to go through this internship for six, three to six months when we were juniors in college. We had arrived two weeks prior to September 11th, and we went through a wide variety of training that we had to do because we were going to be sent out in different churches and ministries all over the city to be able to just partner and learn from different pastors and ministry leaders. And so we got to explore New York City for two weeks prior to September 11th because when September 11th happened, that was the day our internship really started. That was the date that was on the calendar. They had marked it off, your internship. This team is going here. This team is going there. This team is going there. And my team, you had a rotation, just happened to be that my team started out at the school. We were started out at the school. We weren't going out into the city, but we were there to make sure that we were taking care of the homeless that they came up to the facility. We were there to clean the bathrooms, to do all the good stuff. And I'll never forget September 11, 2001. Most of our other teams had already been dispatched to their designated locations, wherever they were being sent out to do ministry. And I remember that our liaisons, the people that were hosting us, our, kind of like our mom and dad for the three to six months, came in, busted our doors open, and said, we need you to the rooftop immediately. And I didn't know what was going on. It was mid. We didn't have to really do anything till noon. This was, this was 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.30. And we had gotten up, ran to the top of the building, and this used to be an old hospital that we were staying at. So our view of New York City was pristine. It was mint. We could see right to the heart of New York City. And I'll never forget that I saw only one tower at that point. Because by the time we got up there, we couldn't find it. We didn't even know how to get up to the top of the building, so we had to figure out how to. The door was barricaded. We had to literally break down the barricade of the door to get to the top, the rooftop of the hospital. And I'll never forget that when I got up there, I saw only one tower. And it was eerie silent, like it is in this room. And I'll never forget that my entire team around me and the staff of that facility, our first initial thought was, oh my God, where are our friends? Where are our friends? So immediately, people started getting on their phones and started calling them and texting them. And one by one, the calls came in over and over and over again that we're okay, we're here. We're okay, we're here. 
The subway's shut down. We can't get a cab. Their buses are locked down. The streets are completely closed off. They've set a parameter, a perimeter where we can't even go. We're, we're locked down in where we're at right now. They will not literally move, let us move one block except for one team. My best friend was on that team. They had to take the subway into the heart of the business district, into where the World Trade Centers were. There, there was a, a church a Pentecostal church that was two blocks away from the World Trade Center. That they were going to, they were going to be mentored, interned underneath this pastor and underneath this staff. For 12 hours, nothing. 12 hours, nothing. The liaison got me to, he asked me, Jason, will you come with me? We need to pick up some food. I need to go pick up my kids at the school. So we went over to Evangel's, uh, Evangel, the Evangel Church, and we got his kids, and we got some food. And the phone lines were constantly busy. I couldn't even reach my parents to let them know I was okay. Finally, by the grace of God, I was able to dial through and just said, I got to hold my dad. And I said, Dad, you got to let everyone know I'm okay. And he had tears. He was weeping. He was like, thank God. And literally, the phone got disconnected. It was done. We go back, and not only did we go back up to the top of the building, to the top of the hospital. There was such hesitancy in me to even go back up to the top of the hospital. I didn't want to see what I had already saw. Because while we were up there still wondering if our friends were dead or alive, did they make it to where their destination was going to be, we saw the second tower fall. And I'll never forget that image in my mind. It took me 10 years to watch any documentary whatsoever on TV regarding the World Trade Center, regarding September 11, 2011, or 2001, excuse me. It hit me such to a core, it literally questioned everything that I was. I'll never forget that later on that evening, still waiting for the phone call from our friends and from our peers and our classmates. They called an immediate chapel service. We all gathered to the chapel. And we were crying out for our friends because we still had heard nothing. We were crying out to God for the families and the souls and the different situations and circumstances that, were being, that we're about, we were about to endure because our internship just took a 180 on us. Where do we go from here? Our liaisons contacted the school president and said, what do we do? Do we send these kids back? And he said, no, you let them stay there. This will be the greatest thing that's happened to them in ministry in their entire life. So we stayed. And during that chapel service, much like on a night like tonight, in a room like this, we prayed and we worshiped our almighty God. And in the middle of prayer, you could literally hear pipe bombs going off that people that were so angry because by this time they had, they had labeled it as a terrorist threat on the U.S. of A. So people within our community that we're staying were forming pipe bombs and throwing them at mosques. You could hear it. You could hear all the explosions all around us. Later on that night, still waiting for our friends. Still waiting. 
for a call. Later on that night, we went back up to the rooftop. And we all kneeled down. We all got on our knees. And we all cried out to God. And as we're crying out to God, what the unknown, just not for our friends, but for the people, those lives that were lost that day, the unknown of what is next, what happens next. We heard F-16s flying over us constantly all through the night. You could hear tanks literally rolling into downtown Manhattan because that's how still and quiet that city was for days. While we're crying at the top of the roof building, here comes our friends. Busting through the door to the rooftop of that hospital. And we embrace one another, we cry, and we weep. And we go back down to chapel service, and that's where we get our assignment. Your destiny has just begun. So we got our assignments. We knew what we needed to do. The team had formulated exactly every single day from this day forward what our class, our junior class, would accomplish after September 11th. The days following, we went down to Union Square, Union Station, where that was the hub and where families and relatives had posted all over fences and walls and on buildings, the missing loved ones. We saw monks, we, we saw Catholics, we saw uh, even devil worshipers there. We saw the Westboro Baptist congregation saying that those people were going to hell, protesting. And here we are, a group of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, going down there with tents, a table, and chairs. And we set up a table, we set up the chairs, and we set up the tent with a sign that said, Free Prayer. And person after person after person for 15 to 16 hours that day came up and shared their story of how they had walked away from faith. How they had, one at one moment in their life, they had experienced the love of God and they walked away and they wanted to know how to come back. So we led them in the prayer. We saw amazing things happen. So a lot of us were stationed in Union Station Union Square for the following weeks to come. Several of us, we joined with Convoy Convoy of Hope, and we were able to go down and bring food and water to the paramedics, to the fire department, to the police officers that were down there. No, we didn't get really close to ground zero. We were probably about four blocks away. For the weeks coming, when they started to realize that they couldn't sift through all the debris to find At this point, it was no longer looking for someone that was alive. They just wanted to recover any piece of someone that they possibly could so the families could put them to rest. So they started literally bringing bulldozers in downtown Manhattan and taking the debris and rubble and loading it up on dump trucks, taking it over to a a retired naval yard in Staten Island and was dumping it there. And with cadaver dogs and different different branches of the military, even branches that I don't even know. They wouldn't even give us the names of what organization or what, who they were affiliated with. They were coming to this old naval yard and sifting through. And I'll never forget the night when I was on the team that we were going 
just to serve food to all these different branches of the military. I don't even know, honest to God, I don't even know how we got in there, but we did. I'll never forget that I walked into the building, and there was two guys sitting at a table, like Pastor Tanner is now. And there was a sign that hung from the top to the bottom of the floor, and it said, no body parts on table. And I thought to myself, man, I just walked into a world I never thought I'd walk into. For 12, 13 hours, we made up beds. We did their laundry. We gave them food, hot meals. A lot of them confided in us in stories that you couldn't even write and put on the movie screen of what they saw and of what they experienced. That day, when I was up on the rooftop of that hospital, I had a choice to make. I could have ran. I could have been, I, I mean, I was definitely scared. I didn't know what the next days were going to be about. But something happened inside of me that day. Something, a resolute, a resolve happened inside of me. And I chose that day that my destiny would start. I chose that day, no, no matter what, no matter hell or high water, whatever comes my way in the years after this, I will continue choosing my destiny. So tonight, do you realize who you are? Right here in this room, right now, in the seat that you're sitting in. Do you realize who you are? Do you also realize that God needs you to fulfill your destiny? Does it surprise any one of you whatsoever in this room that the Heavenly Father is depending on you? God has specifically designed a life course, a path, a purpose, a destiny for each one of you. Your entire life, your entire life was mapped out prior to your birth. In Psalms 139.16, turn with me if you would, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, turn them on there for me. Psalms 139.16. Psalms 139.16, in the New Living Translation, it reads, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Think about that for a minute. If you think about that for just a moment, it may blow your mind a little bit to think that God has up in heaven Your Father up in heaven has a book specifically about you and your life. And what everything that he has written out that he wants to partner with you on, that he wants you to accomplish for his glory and for for his honor while you're here on earth. You're not a mistake. It's not even by chance that you're here tonight. Do you believe it? 
Because each one of us, we have to come to a point of where we choose whether or not we believe that God has a purpose, a plan, and a destiny for us. See, God wrote a book about you before your parents even thought of having you. Before a single day had passed. Celebrities and rulers aren't the only ones with books containing their life stories. No, yours is recorded too. And the amazing reality is this. Again, it was mapped out, thought of, and penned out by our incredible Father before we were born. You may protest with me a little bit. I ask that you do it afterwards. But my life has had bumps and bruises and even wrecks due to bad choices. Did God author that? Did God author me getting abused by this person or from that situation and circumstance? No. God mapped out our lives, but it's up to us and the people living in this world around us if that plan comes to pass, if that purpose comes to fulfillment. Because every single one of us has free will. But just because we have free will does not negate the fact that God wrote a book about every single one of us. And we have an incredible opportunity to partner with him in that story. Wrong choices can deter us, but don't, but don't be discouraged or condemned. When we stray from the course, genuine repentance can bring us right back on course. What is destiny, some person may ask? Destiny, a designated objective from God. A designated objective from God. Every single one of you has a destiny. I want all eyes on me. Every single eyeball. If you can look at your phone and look at me at the same time, you're going to freak me out. Don't try it. It may hurt. I want your eyes in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit for the last 10 minutes that I'm speaking here tonight. God has something to say to you. See, let me repeat it again. Every one of you has a destiny. A God-written, a God-breathed future where there is hope. You are part of something greater than yourselves. Greater. Destiny is not a feeling or an emotion. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Stay off Snapchat. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read it out of the the Passion Translation. Every year I try to read a new either translation or paraphrase, whatever the case may be. And this is read out of the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what 
previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith. By his faith, Abel speaks instruction to us today, even though he's long dead. Faith lifted Enoch from this life and was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world. Isn't that crazy? Because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real, and that he rewards those, those people with faith that give all their passion and strength into seeking him. Again, I tell you that every single one of you has a destiny. And I challenge you tonight, if no one has ever challenged you this before, or if someone has, I echo what they've already stated to you, your destiny starts tonight. I don't think you heard me. Your destiny, what God has already written and pen, and thought of, and believed in his heart that you could accomplish and do for his glory and for his honor while you are here on earth, it starts tonight. Not when you graduate. Not when you get the job of your dreams. Not when you meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. But now. And I challenge you, With everything in me, I challenge you to step out in faith. Yes, it's true. You may not be able to see it. But I challenge you tonight to step out in faith. And you know what? That's one of the most exciting things you can do as a Christian, is not know what foot or what step or where you're going to be or what you're going to do or what you're going to accomplish. But see, those sweet mates that you have, and those roommates that you have, and those people on your floor that you are too loud and too annoying past curfew, those people on your team, those people in your different clubs or your different classes, or in your work-study programs, or wherever you work during the day when you're not in class to make sure that you can attend college, or that you have a little cash to spend on the side. Whatever it is and whoever you are in contact with, your destiny can challenge, can change, can shape, can, can encourage, can love, bring hope to them. And dare I say that your destiny is not about you. It never was and it never will be. Your destiny is about the people that you will come into contact with, the people that you have conversations with, 
The people that you brush up on the side of your shoulder when walking past the hall, you didn't even look to smile at them and say, hey, I'm sorry. Because you know what? That sorry can literally turn into a conversation where they come here on a Tuesday night at 7.30 and counter the living and loving God. But we're so too busy wrapped up in what's it in for me? What's this life got for me? What, how am I going to get my next? How am I going to get my promotion? I've got to get straight A's. I'm on scholarship. Hey, I don't knock studying at all. I get it. I understand it. But you know what? There's a lot of empty chairs right in here that people need to hear about their destiny. There's people out there right now in the rec room that are probably wondering if you really had sit down and had a conversation, a heart-to-heart conversation with, there's people out there right now that are wondering, will my life even make sense after tonight? There's people on your floors and in your suites and in your rooms that are contemplating suicide right now on this college. Is your life going to mean something now, or is your life going to mean something four years from now? Because one of the biggest regrets I have in my life is I had a friend and an uncle that committed suicide, and I was so scared to talk about Jesus with them. What will they think about me? They'll judge me. They'll call me names. Get over it. This world has already labeled you. It doesn't matter what you do, you're still going to be labeled, whether because it's the color of your skin, because you have glasses, because you have a limp, because you have a lisp, you're still going to get labeled. And the only label that matters is what he says about you. And he is God. The God that has already written it all out for you. The God that says that you're a princess. A God that says that you're a queen. A God that says that you're a king. A God that says that you're a prince here walking on this earth. So what are you going to do with it? Because the other statistic is this. Eight out of ten of you have already wasted a lot of your destiny. Eight out of ten have already wasted. How many of you are juniors? Raise your hand. How many of you are seniors? So what are you doing with your destiny? Let me help you understand another statistic, juniors and seniors. Let me really bring it home for you. Are you going to leave a legacy in this place before you leave? Man, Pastor Tanner, you brought a dude in here, and he's just ripping us apart. Yeah, I got to drop the mic when I'm done. Hopefully, I can have dinner with you. I still owe someone dinner, and then... You can love me on Sunday, okay? We can make up by Sunday. Guys, I just want you to hear my heart. Like you have an opportunity of a lifetime. And you don't need some crazy thing to happen in this life that would cause that to come or call that into question. You don't need a plane going through a building. You don't need bombs going off around you for you to realize that you have a destiny and a purpose, and it can start now. 
You don't need any trauma to happen in your life for you to come into the understanding that your destiny, whether or not you want it, has already been written out for you. You just need to partner with it. And you juniors and seniors, take this to heart, please. Because if you don't invest in a student that's not in this room, what will Kyle Alpha look like in three, two, one year from now? Because as far as I know, this is supposed to be a student-led, student-run ministry, right? So what are you doing about it? If you're not doing anything about it, then I would have to really question this, that you truly don't believe who you say that you are. I know those are some hard words, but they're spoken in love. I also, September 11, 2001, had a man stand up in front of me on a chapel service and call me out by name because I was a jokester. I was a prankster. Up to two weeks to that day, the guys and the girls were in a straight-up prank war every single night, and I was the head of it. And I got smashed by the ladies. They, side note real quick, because it was really tense and awkward in here just a second ago, is that we thought we got them really good. I mean, really good. The whole entire girls of our class went to Chinatown, bought raw squid while we were sleeping in our slumber that beautiful evening. We woke up the next morning to squid juice all over our carpet, hanging from the racks in our showers. Every single thing where we could put clean clothes on, like hang them on, there was squid. For entire three to four months, it smelled like squid, our entire floor. And I don't know what happened, but I must have really pissed them off, to be honest. I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to say that in there. I'm just going to keep it real. I really must have pissed off the director of Urban School Ministry because that night, September 11, 2001, he straight up called me out. Not for the pranks, not for being a jokester, not for wanting to have fun all the time. What he did is he called me out because he knew I didn't realize my destiny. And it was that night where he called me out. He made me stand up in front of the entire class and he prophesied over me. And it was something that I will never forget to this day. It wasn't his words that called me out. God Almighty called me out by him. And just so it happens, the Lord raised me up in that class. And I became a very strong and prominent leader in my class. Not because of anything I did. Because God knows it's only by the grace of God that I only stand here tonight. But it was because I finally accepted and believed and had faith in who he was calling me to be. Do you hear my heart for you tonight? Guys, your destiny starts now. Can you play some worship music for me, Tedder? My prayer for you tonight is that you will literally walk out of this room and look at people differently. How many of you will look at people differently?
Let me see your hands. Don't raise your hands if you won't. Don't give me, don't give me this fluff. I can call the fluff. So you see every single hand that's raised. You got to hold each other accountable. You know, don't come down on them as hard as I did, okay? Because they may not like you afterwards. The amazing thing about this is Tanner will ask me to speak once and maybe I'll never come back again. But my heart is for you. Because I think I could be wrong. I really could. And please forgive me if I am absolutely wrong about you. But up to this point, something shifting needed to happen in your life. Up to this night, something needed to shift differently. A lot of you don't know what being a team is, and several of you do know what being a team is. See, a team was always put the player next to them before themselves, the person on that team. That person on a team, whether you're football, volleyball, basketball, I don't care what you are, what role you play on a team. When I learned, the most valuable lesson I learned about being a team is that I always put the other person next to me before myself. And they would do it for me. We'd do it for one another. And then the entire team would do it. We pushed each other to meet our goals. Whether it was in weightlifting, I don't care what it was. Academically, we pushed each other to meet our goals. This is a team in here. You've got to push one another into helping each other find and step out in faith to their destiny. Can you do that tonight? Can you encourage one another when instead of walking down the halls and ignoring one another or seeing each other, I don't care if you do this. You see Colton on the other side of campus. Yo, Colton, what's up, man? I love you, man. I'm praying for you. Colton, you have a destiny, bro. You know what kind of environment this campus would be if some crazies on a Tuesday night at 7.30 were doing that to one another on this campus? Man, they got some cojones in there. They got some oomph in there. I want to be a part of that. Well, maybe that's not your personality. Just write them a little note and make a paper airplane and send it over to them. Okay? But you have a destiny. You have a purpose. God has a plan written out for you here and now. It doesn't start tomorrow. It doesn't start in a week from now. It starts now. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I promise I won't flick you in the air. I'll stay right in my position, I promise. If you could be brutally honest with yourself and God. I mean brutally honest to the core. Have you truly come into a reality of who you are and the destiny that God has for you? If you haven't, just raise your hand. I won't ask anyone else to look. If you haven't stepped into your destiny, into who you are, who God has called you to be, just raise your hand. Keep it up. Let me see it. Hi. 
So if that's you tonight, this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Thank you. I'm going to ask that you take a step of faith in front of your peers and that you come forward and you allow me to anoint you with oil. And I'm going to pray that the lies, that the shame, that the guilt, other people's words, other people's labels would be broken off of you in Jesus' name. If those things are preventing you from experiencing and stepping into God's destiny, I want to break those things off by the power of God, by nothing that I can do. It's only by Holy Spirit. And what would be even more incredible, what would be even more incredible is if while you're up here, your peers got around you and they helped me pray for you. Because the team, it doesn't start a day from now. It doesn't start a week from now. The team starts now. You should be one another's biggest encouragers on this campus. You should be, if you're struggling in life, you should be going to one another asking each other for prayer. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Just come forward. Just line up. Just line up right in at the front. Screen it, don't matter. 